interesting people. And from India, he wrote to me and said that I should find him. And I didn't have anything else to do at that point in my life. So I joined him. That was in March, I think, February 1971. And at that time, it was just about the time of the first Pandal in Bombay. And that was just an extraordinary experience. We had 10,000 people in a tent in the center of Bombay. And the devotees were there, and Prabhupada was speaking across Maidan. And so that was my introduction. And from there, it grew by the grace of Krishna and the potency of Prabhupada and the mercy of his followers. Thank you. It's <laughs> so nice to be here. You know, youthful, smiling faces. So, actually, I was introduced to Krishna consciousness in uh, 1968. And I, I, I had been in the Peace Corps for three years in Malaysia. And I got out of the Peace Corps, and they wanted to draft me to send me back to, to Southeast Asia to fight in Vietnam. So I got a letter from a psychiatrist saying I was mentally unfit for battle. <laughs> and it sure was. Actually, my brother was, was flying F-4 Phantom Jets uh, from, from the Navy over Vietnam while I was in Peace Corps in Malaysia. So I came back and uh, I went to the uh, induction center with that note, that letter. Gave it to the head of the induction center. You know, I guess I was going to go if they wanted me to go. But anyway, I didn't know what was going to happen. And he read the letter and he looked at me and said, uh, he said, yes, you're unfit. Uh, you can go home. Actually, he saw, he saw that I'd been in the Peace Corps, so he was impressed by that. So I opened the door and the first thing I heard was the Harinam party across the street, downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> prophetic <clears throat> and um, I walked away from that for two years and then got into photography school met Vishaka there and uh, the first assignment a professional assignment I got was to, to cover the Hare Krishna movement in New York and that was my first professional assignment and my last <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that started me thinking you know what to do my assignment on so I chose I, I met the um, I, I was impressed by the Harinam party and I had some kind of uh, you know, little feeling for that at uh, time so I thought let me go to India to meet Prabhupada and uh, do my thesis photography thesis on the uh, devotees in India following Prabhupada around India so again that was uh, and Vishaka came and Long history after that. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I'm also really honored and happy and pleased to be with all of you. I don't see one face that's not smiling, so that's really wonderful. <laughs> My service is largely dealing as a GB I'm a GBC member. And you don't see a lot of people smiling at you. <laughs> <laughs> when you get into some of the stuff you have to deal with, you're not smiling either. <laughs> so this is really wonderful, and thank you very much. So, um, actually, when I 
joined. There was not really um, a movement yet, per se. There was a little storefront in uh, New York City. You could have fitted it. I mean, maybe it's about the size, actually, you know? Maybe a little narrower. And uh, through Providence, I also had a boyfriend who um, I met while hitchhiking. <laughs> I was trying to, I was living in a ghost town. Ghost town means an uninhabited, abandoned town in Northern California on the coast. And all my friends had took off and gone to Mexico, so I thought, okay, I'll follow my friends, but I had no idea what that meant to go to Mexico. It was just, I'll go to Mexico. So I walked out on the only road in town going up and down the coast, took out my thumb, and I was there for quite a while, and then this white van pulls, goes, hop in. But that van was going north, and Mexico was south. <laughs> so I didn't react one way or the other, and he goes, where are you going? And I said, Mexico. And he goes, how long have you been here? We didn't have much to do with time in those days, so I didn't know. He goes, well, hop in, at least you'll get somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. And uh, we ended up in Portland, Oregon. We were introduced to some really wonderful people, Mike, Jan, and Joan, friends of my boyfriend. I mean, who became my, wasn't even my boyfriend yet, it was just the guy who drove the van. <laughs> and, uh, Things progressed. Mike was a musician. He went to New York with his girlfriend Jan, who was the sister of Joan, hoping to further his musical career. He started getting some little letters that, you know, he was playing with this person or that person. He was a jazz pianist, so these were people that were in the jazz scene. But then a letter came that said, they meant a swami. <laughs> so, um, I had a kind of a negative reaction to the idea of a guru, even though the boyfriend, now we were boyfriend, girlfriend, and he was saying, we need to have a teacher, we need a guru. <laughs> and so I finally told him, you know, my um, less intelligent American woman mentality, you can get a guru if you want, but I'm not interested, I don't want anyone telling me what to do with my life. I want to make my own mistakes. <laughs> so. But fortunately, things progressed to the point where the couple that went to New York um, sent another letter. And that this time, they said they were getting married. So we were part of the hippie sampradaya. You didn't do that kind of thing. <laughs> part of our lifestyle. But Mike was a thoughtful person. He really wasn't you know, like a drugged out, down and out hippie type. He was more like bohemian. So I was thinking, that's kind of interesting if he's doing that. And then we ended up, me and my boyfriend, on the top of a mountain, a really big, you don't even have mountains this big in England. So, um, our job there, his job was looking out for fires. So the mountain was already big, and they had a tower, and he had to climb up that tower, 
and look out to see if there would be any fires day after day. And it was in a wilderness area, vast, vast wilderness area. So there weren't, um, it wasn't even a paved road up the mountain. It was a zigzag dirt road. One car could only get there. And uh, we got a day off. So we went to another mountain. <laughs> and when we came back, there was a car. And um, New York plates. It's interesting. We lived in a small wooden cabin. The um, no running water, no electricity. The running water was provided by a stream, just a few yards from the house. And from that stream, you could drink the water. You could take a bath. You know. So we opened our door, and there was Mike and Jan and Joan. And they'd already made themselves at home. John was cooking something. <laughs> Making these little round balls, putting, rolling them out and putting them on the wood stove. And they were blowing up. And that was just really fascinating. And uh, thus we, well, we offer, you know, usually you get a guest in your house. They make, you know, comfortable sitting and you offer them the best thing you have. So we asked. Would you like some LSD? <laughs> <laughs> and they said no. <laughs> so while we were having dinner, Mike told us a couple of further interesting things. One was their names were changed. So Mike was now Mukunda and Jan was Janaki. Joan was still Joan. But Mokunda said, after dinner, I want to show you something. So this was first prasadam. The uh, first touch of prasadam, those little puffed up things or chapatis. <laughs> and um, what he wanted to show us was the first volume of the books that Srila Prabhupada brought over on the Jaladutta. The first volume of the Bhagavatam in three parts. So he showed the first one. And um, it was incredibly fascinating because there was this fellow with blue skin and four arms on a snake, a big snake with a hood over his head. But that was, you know, just the starts. And there was a plant growing out of the navel of this blue <laughs> And on the plant was a fellow with four heads. <laughs> so I inquired somewhat submissively, who is this? <laughs> and Mukunda said, this is God. And I was actually immediately accepted that because things are so convoluted the way things are going in our life. Nobody knew if there was a God, whether, you know, I'm God, you're God, we're all God. And I'm like, if I'm God, there's no hope. There <laughs> 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 was a very famous magazine cover from Time Magazine, God is Dead. So things were kind of convoluted. But if there was a God, he had to be somewhat different from us. And his personality on that cover, the magazine was definitely different. Because we didn't have access at them in those days to so much literature from outside of you know, like Asian literature, Indian. And then when I opened the book, there was a Sanskrit. There was a word-by-word -word transliterations. There was a purport. There was, I mean, the, um, the actual you know, verse, and then the purport. 
And I'm just looking at this, and I kept seeing this one phrase, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And so this foolish American lady decided she'd like to meet the person responsible for these books. Thank you for sharing your journeys into Krishna consciousness. It's always nice to hear that, you know, all the unique the unique ways that people come into Krishna consciousness. Um, so, of course, today's topic is, you know, conquering Srila Prabhupada's heart. Um, and um, we see that, you know, the disciple has the, the strong desire to, to, to please the, the guru, to, you know, to, to conquer the heart of the guru. And I was just thinking, like, what's the impetus for this? Like, why does the, the disciple have that strong desire to, to conquer the heart of the guru? And often we hear from, at least whenever I watch, you know, Prabhupada memories and hear from different Prabhupada disciples, we hear so much about how Prabhupada actually conquered the heart of the disciple themselves. And so um, it would be nice to maybe hear from you guys about if there was any specific experience or instance you had with Prabhupada, even something you might have heard from Prabhupada where you really felt like he conquered your heart, something that, you know, really conquered your heart and that you still kind of cherish in your heart today. So I don't know if you guys have any experiences or pastimes with Prabhupada that, that led you to, to that. <laughs> Yeah, after I met Prabhupada in Surat, India, he very graciously allowed me to stay with his party and take photographs. Um, and I just showed up. I, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone anyone I was coming. I didn't have any contacts. So uh, the first time I met Prabhupada was in the evening, in, in, where he was staying in the house in Surat. And I had this magazine article I had done covering the Hare Krishna movement in New York City. And I showed Prabhupada that magazine, he was very pleased. And I told him what my plan was to travel with, with the party and take pictures. And his first comment was, are you going to become a devotee? <laughs> and I couldn't imagine shaving my head and wearing a robe, so I said, I don't think so, Prabhupada. <laughs> Then he said something uh, that shocked me. He said, then you cannot stay. Here it was at 9 o'clock at night. I had no, no idea of where I was. <laughs> no idea of the town, Surat. And uh, so anyway, nothing was said after that. So they put me up that night. And the next morning I got up, and nobody said anything. And Prabhupada didn't say anything. And I stayed for two months. <laughs> And so that's uh, Prabhupada, he, he knew our hearts and minds. He knew I had some little attraction. And he found that spark. So, as was mentioned, I was Prabhupada's photographer for some time, for about six, almost six years. And uh, one place that it was especially excellent for photography was Juhu just south of Bombay, near the beach. We had some property there, and every morning <clears throat> from six to seven, Prabhupada would go for a long walk along the beach. And the light was very gentle, and very often he would be very animated during the walk, speaking different things. So <clears throat> I went religiously every morning because it was such a perfect environment to take photographs. And one morning, I was waiting for him to come. It was before, just a little before six, it was still a little dark out. <clears throat> and
And he came so softly, so gently, that I didn't hear him at all. I was sitting cross-legged, chanting Japa, with my camera around my neck. And he passed by me, just six inches away. And he glanced at me, and he said, thank you very much. And so at first I was quite confused. I was just sitting there, what's he thanking me for? But then I thought, no, I'm chanting Japa. And he saw that I was chanting Japa, and that pleased him. So that little bit of gratitude that I was trying to follow his instructions as best I could, and his recognition of that, and his expression of his gratefulness, I found very heartwarming, very encouraging. John. When His Divine Grace um, arrived in San Francisco, um, there's a little snippet if you Google San Francisco Prabhupada Arrival YouTube, so you'll see this little snippet. And um, he came to our little temple. And we always say it was packed, and of course, because it was fairly small, it was packed. It was just like here it's packed. And there were people of all types of backgrounds. And it was all kind of fragrances because not everybody can necessarily bathe every day and to compensate for that, the hippies would use a lot of essential oil, particularly patchouli and um, incense going. And Prabhupada entered this um, environment. And the thing at the time, the mood at the time, looking for love, you know, the hippies was like the, the love generation are trying to find love, you know, just like we say, Hare Krishna, or the hippies would go, peace and love, brother, peace and love, sister. <laughs> but the pathetic thing was we weren't finding that love. Yeah. And it was becoming quite obvious. You know, the whole mood was starting to change. So when Prabhupada addressed, he said, he said something quite amazing to a peace and love crowd. There is no love in the material world. And I just felt this amazing relief. But then, you know, he didn't just drop a bomb and walk away. He um, explained the source of love, Sri Krishna. And through that explanation, there was just this feeling, growing feeling of love coming from him towards us, and in turn we were feeling ourselves falling in love with him. Thank you so much for sharing those lovely answers. Um, yeah, it's really nice to hear, you know, that connection that you have with Prabhupada and the, those moments that you had where you really felt that he, you know, he conquered your heart. I think, you know, for, I guess, most of us sitting in this room, you know, we, we never really had Srila Prabhupada's personal presence, his personal association. And so I guess the next thing I wanted to ask, and I hope it's not too much of a lofty question, but how do we, you know, conquer the heart of someone, how conquer the heart of Srila Prabhupada, who was someone that we kind of never met in person? You know, how, would you have any um, advice on how maybe we could do that? My humble opinion, you're doing it. When I see this, beautiful faces who have been out distributing his books, performing Harinam Sankirtan, and so many other services that I know many of you are doing. Please don't think you're not conquering his heart. 
Please thank you. Thank you for that encouragement. I think we all appreciate that and that will keep us coming in our services. If you guys have anything to add, feel free. Yeah, I think perhaps we sometimes make things more complex than they need to be. But uh, just like my little story that Prabhupada was grateful that I was chanting Japa. So when his followers follow his instructions, I think we can be confident that he's grateful for that and aware of it and appreciating it. So it doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, if it is complicated, it may be a bit diverting for us as opposed to the simple process that he's given us that's so sweet and so accessible and relevant and protecting for us. It gives us shelter in this very distracting world that we live in. You may have heard the story when the book distributor asked Sri Prabhupada, what will please you the most? Of course, there's the book distributor expecting a certain answer. And Prabhupada looked at him and he said, if you love Krishna. So that's actually accessible to every one of us. It doesn't matter what service that is. Of course, Prabhupada especially liked book distribution. And that's it's glorious to, to reach out. It's an essential part of Lord Chaitanya's mission to reach out to others and pass on what we've received. Very essential. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much um, for your answers. Um, yeah, um, one thing which I guess we wanted to also hear about was you know, um, all three of you were there in the very early days of the movement, and we hear a lot about, about the early days of Krishna consciousness, you know, the you know, lots of big preaching, lots of bold preaching, and um, the devotees doing all sorts of things. Um, but also we hear a lot about, um, a lot of the crazy things that also happened as well, you know, we heard that the, the devotees are doing absolutely crazy things, and I think we as Pandavasana, as a youth group, we get quite inspired by, by some of these, you know, quite crazy stories. Um, and I was wondering if you maybe had any if maybe you might be able to share, kind of what is the, the craziest thing you might have done whilst serving in the movement in, in the early days? <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Everything I do is crazy. <laughs> so we want to hear everything. <laughs> it's not permissible. <laughs> I'll tell a book distribution story. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, originally the Krishna book was in three small volumes in a little case. And at that time, um, I left America in 68 to come here. And I actually never went back until um, 22 years later, not even for a visit. And during that time, I was here, I was in India, I was in various parts of Europe. So at one part I was in Denmark, based in France, but up in Denmark with a traveling party of ladies. And we got these wonderful Krishna books. We actually got them from London. We weren't getting, because there wasn't any um, books. It wasn't that easy to get books, actually. But the UK was ahead of the game there, so we were getting them and having them sent to Copenhagen. So in my party, we kind of would split up in different 
areas you know, to um, cover the city wherever we were. And um, I was taking these beautiful little books, and I would go into very unusual situations. Mm -hmm. To be plain and clear, I would go some to sex shops, because there's a lot of those up in Denmark. <laughs> and I would say, you've heard of the Kama Sutra? <laughs> this is better, it's illustrated. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if Andrew Shackle or Yandor could have any crazy stories or something you know, very exciting that might happen in the early days that can give us some energy. All right, well, Malati didn't finish the story. She, she used to go into pubs. Also, you'll talk about the little blue boy, the drunkards. Yeah, well, Srila Prabhupada gave me an instruction on the day Radhagopalananda were installed. And he said, now you have to support them. You have to start a bank account in their name where no one else can get access. So myself and Gangamayi took this um, extremely seriously because it was a serious instruction. Because the financial stability of the manor did not yet exist. So he knew for sure if there was some money somewhere, it would possibly be misappropriated. Um, not, you know, for anything nefarious, but anyways, we did this. And we went out every night. Um, we went to the pubs, because that's what was open at night. They didn't have 24-hour stores in those days. They didn't have Costco, the things you have now, where you could like easily just stand at the entrance of Costco, and there's cars just pouring in. So we went to the pubs, and we did tell them, you know, people are not sober-minded, so it wasn't that difficult, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and if they looked bewildered, I would just say, put your hand in the pocket and bring out some money. <laughs> but what it was for was that little blue boy out in Watford. <laughs> you know, we, there was one time in the uh, history of the book distribution in America where we would dress up as Santa Claus. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and uh, I never liked that at all. You're too skinny to be Santa. You're too skinny to be Santa. Oh, wasn't so bad there. Anyway, uh, so I was out in the, in, the, in the parking lot doing that, dressed up as Santa Claus. And all of a sudden, a gang of kids just surrounded me. <laughs> <laughs> they, they grabbed my, my uh, you know, wig or whatever it was, beard, and just pulled it off, and I had a shaved head. <laughs> <laughs> and they started taunting me and yelling at me. I, I didn't go out after that. <laughs> That's not quite true. I did. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Just sorry about that, but nothing changes. <laughs> <laughs> In the early days, in India, we didn't so much distribute books, but we made life members. And once we made a life member, they got all, a whole set of Prabhupada's books, and they had a subscription to Back to Godhead magazine. So we were very active in trying to make life members into Prabhupada's direction. So it was uh, difficult because in those years in India, we had landlines for telephones, and very often they didn't work. And if they did work, you had to yell. I mean, yell <laughs> to the phone, almost as if you're trying to scream to the person across the city, you know? <laughs> so at one point, I remember my husband and I, we arrived in, the, uh, in Delhi airport, and uh, we had to make a phone call in Delhi airport. There were two phones in the whole, this is the, right, the capital of India, there were two phones, and it turned out that neither one of them worked. <laughs> okay, so thank you for, for sharing these, these memorable stories. Um, and yeah, I thought it would be nice just on this topic of you know, the service you're doing. Actually, one thing I was thinking, I didn't plan this, but you know, since all three of you are here in the room, was there ever a point where all three of you were together at one point and serving together or something. I wasn't too sure, but I thought, I was just intrigued to ask, did you ever have service together, like you three? Or were there moments where you were like traveling together? Oh, we're in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were together quite a bit, I think, in yeah. Juhu, in Delhi, in Calcutta. Vrindavan. Vrindavan. They got, she was initiated in Vrindavan. She was married in Vrindavan. Jai. Oh. Jai. Auntie took the photograph. <laughs> 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 I say that, but I've never even seen it. <laughs> 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 Should we tell the story? Yeah, yeah. yes, please. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were in, after the Pandal that we had, it was the second Pandal in Delhi, which was incredibly successful. Uh, the governor of the state came and the mayor of Delhi came to introduce Prabhupada, packed, packed uh, audience, and then Prabhupada took just a few of us, it was about 30 people, 30 devotees, to Vrindavan for a little while, and he personally took us around to a few of the holy places for Asana. And so, um, yeah, my husband had already gotten initiated in Calcutta, but we were going to get married and initiated in Vrindavan. And it was quite cold, it was November, the end of November. And we had to run around and get wood for the fire. I went to Lloyd Bazaar and I got a wedding sign for 50 rupees. Which I wore for many years. <laughs> and, um, and so we weren't thinking about photography. We weren't thinking about photographing the wedding. So in the middle of the ceremony, Malati came up to me. She had decorated my hands with this bindi, you know, but it wasn't the waterproof traditional bindi, I don't know what she used. But <laughs> <laughs> the ashramana had all this red stuff on my fingers. And I got onto my knee of my sar and I looked, it was this red glow. And I thought, oh, no. how did I start to bleed? <laughs> he 
where's your camera? And neither one of us had thought about photographing. We were busy, you know. Anyway, so I gave her my camera and she took one picture and that's the only picture. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. So, um, yeah, you guys are involved in you know, many services during Parapon's time. And then I think even later on in the years and more recent years, you guys have continued with you know, many different services. And um, one thing I heard recently, I think you mentioned this in, when you were speaking at the Manor the other week, was that you. Um, you started a, a ladies' ashram in, in Ohio, and I think many devotees, at least myself, you know, there was something new I didn't, I, that I didn't know about. So I was wondering if maybe you can just share a bit about that, like um, a bit more about what that involved and, um, yeah, kind of what, what that kind of looked like, what, what the devotees got up to in, in your ladies' ashram. Well, it wasn't like I thought I'm going to start a ladies' ashram. It wasn't that at all, and it, wasn't, it was more than an ashram, it was a temple. There were deities. Radha Krishna, Gorni Thai, and Vangirna, Sitaram, Lakshmi, Hanuman. And um, we had Sankirtan parties when the temple would, like, because it wasn't that huge, when it would be too many, we'd just get another man and send him out in the road. <laughs> Eventually, we ended up having two places, two houses. But I don't know, I just. It, as a, a lot of things in my life, it wasn't like I sat down. Like I didn't sit down and plan to go to Portland, Oregon, and end up in a mountain, getting married and joining a hard Christian movement that didn't exist at the time. But that's what happened. You know, some people have that kind of life. That's me. <laughs> but what happened is that I went to that temple because I heard that the devotees were going to close it. And I was thinking, well, Prabhupada said, we shouldn't close the temple. Once you open, you shouldn't close the temple. And there was these beautiful deities, beautiful deities of Radha Naktabar, Radha Vrindavan Naktabar, dancing deities. You can ask a daikron, you know. Um, so I was a little concerned about that, and I asked, you know, one of the persons there, New Vrindavan, which was connected to that temple at that time, you know, is there any way I can help? So it was determined I could help, but it wasn't spelled out. But I went over there. There was not even a key to the door. Just, I mean, it was in pretty, the, the, the backyard was weeds up to my knees. Yeah, it was in rough shape. And there was just kind of really strange people there. So, I managed, in fact, it was so strange. I had a van and I was sleeping in my van. I wouldn't sleep in the temple at night. <laughs> but little by little, by reinstating Srila Prabhupada's program, reinstating Srila Prabhupada's version of practicing Krishna consciousness, the weird people just kind of evaporated. And um, the grass, the weeds got cut down. And programs started, you know, prasadam distribution. But still, it was basically only me who was there. But people would come to the programs. But the breakthrough came when um, I went to the Rainbow Gathering. And at that Rainbow Gathering, I met many young 
ladies and men and also. And um, some of the people that had been coming to the temple joined me on this excursion. And we brought back a few of these people and some of them stayed. And the ones who stayed happened to be ladies. And I was given a lot of support by His Holiness Radha Swami, Reverend Hissaru Prabhu, and Srila Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj. And that support and encouragement was invaluable because even though I didn't know where this train was going, I was somehow the one driving it, which, and somehow rather this little house in Ohio became a very, um, at the time, due to circumstances, it was not part of ISKCON. Um, if you know the history, New Vrindavan had been removed from ISKCON at a certain point, and because Ohio, Columbus was part of New Vrindavan, this, so one of the first things that happened um, as things progressed was that we got reinstated in ISKCON, but it was real strange for the ISKCON members at that time to have a lady temple president. It, it wasn't heard of. So, Radha Swami, Jadita Swami at the time, and another person who drove a little, we drove down to Dallas, Texas, to where we had the annual meeting of the temples, temple president's meeting, DBC meeting. And when I walked in, they what's she doing here? And Radha Swami said, she's a temple president. And a very well-known, illustrious person who was recently here, he's, you know, Shribhati Siddhanta says, you shouldn't say, if you don't talk about somebody, you don't say their name. Um, but he gave an example of a cow. Instead of saying the cow, you say a very large animal with four legs and horns. <laughs> so this person, he's a wonderful godbrother, by the way, but he's known for editing Srila Prabhupada's books. <laughs> so that wonderful person looks up and he says, what is she doing here? You know, Radha Swami, she's the temple person. And he goes, you mean that little house full of women in Ohio? <laughs> so when it came time to vote whether we could be admitted to Islam, there were some little questions here and there. Nothing they couldn't answer. And uh, we were unanimously reunited with Srila Prabhupada's Islam. And in spite of there not even being internet at this time, this was 1994, when I got back to, to Columbus and it was a Sunday program, there was all these people that I have never ever seen before. And where did she come from? And they all just said, we were just waiting for the day when she would be back in Islam. So it was really wonderful. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And um, yeah, especially about the, the deities as well. Um, I'm going to ask Adai for a picture of that because it sounds, it sounds really beautiful. But one other thing is that, so what would happen is people, they didn't know what to do with the ladies. There wasn't so much going on. So people would just send ladies to the ashram. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd get going to the rainbow gallery and we'd get more ladies. And <laughs> Thank you. Um, and yeah, Mother Vishak, I also wanted to ask you about some of your, your other services and later on. Of course, you, are, you know, continued to, to make movies alongside with Yadavara Prabhu. And um, there's actually one short movie I came across on YouTube. I think it was called 
as brilliant as the sun. And it was, has anyone come across this movie before? It's about book, like, um, it was a movie about basically book, like how books get published. Has anyone watched that? Yeah, yeah. So I came across it a few months ago and I thought it was, I, was, I was just mind blown after watching it. Essentially, for those who don't know, it was just about, actually maybe better, I can ask you, Madhavi actually, could you actually explain a bit about this specific movie and um, yeah, what it was about, kind of what inspired obviously both of you guys to, to make such a film. I don't know, maybe you have a whoever had more involvement in it, but... She's passing to me. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, that film, Brilliant as the Sun, was actually commissioned by Prabhupada in 1975 to take something to the Mayapur Festival in 1976 to show his godbrothers that he was doing the work of his spiritual master and printing and distributing books. So we didn't know exactly what to do, you know, exactly, but we decided on a film. There was a suggestion for a slideshow, or anyway, we made this film. And uh, we took the film to Prabhupada in his, and sat in his room in, in Mayapur. And uh, whenever even one guest would come in, he would, he would uh, greet them and speak to them a little bit. And he would turn to us and say, do you have that film? <laughs> and at the time, we had something called a Fairchild Projector. That was a businessman's suitcase, and in 30 seconds opened up with a screen, and you could show the film immediately. Not only were they amazed by the technology, they were amazed by the film. And maybe Mother Shek, if you want to share maybe for many devotees who haven't seen the film, just maybe if you want to briefly talk to you about what the film was about, what it went through. Um, yeah. So we picked a verse from the Bhagavatam. This Bhagavat Purana is as brilliant as, as the sun, and it has arisen just after the departure of Lord Krishna for his own abode. Persons who have lost their way to the dense darkness of this age of Kali can get light from this Purana. So we asked Prabhupada actually to speak this, and we could film him speaking it. And we followed it from his dictation, and it goes to the editor who types it out. And then from the editor, it goes into the production, production of a book. And at that time, the BBT had their center in Los Angeles, and they had a whole list that they had the Sanskrit editor and the proofreader, and then uh, someone, you have the artist to, to uh, illustrate. So we actually showed this whole process, uh, including the artwork. We started with just a rough draft, and then you see the finished piece from the book, the finished artwork. And then finally, after the whole production cycle, a devotee, uh, Gopi Parinadam, Gopi Vrindapal, is out distributing the book on the street. And he quotes that same verse, this Bhagavat Purana, is brilliant as the sun to the person that he's distributing the book to. So it shows the entire method that used. Yeah. Maybe you should show that film to the, you know, dedicated to sh a session to show that. Yeah, for sure, actually. I think it'll be something really nice to watch. Um, we can put it definitely out on the group chat, and uh, I have an idea of where we could actually show it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know soon. Yeah, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, yeah, one thing I really loved about that film, especially at the end, you know, it kind of brings it all back with the, the same verse that Prabhupada's dictating, and then the book distributor is using that to distribute to someone. So I highly recommend that you guys watch, watch that film. And one thing I really learned from that is like the amount of labor that just goes into, you know, producing a book, because you see it through every step, you know. It's not like 
you know, you just open up a Word document, type some stuff, get some pictures off Google, like, I thought it would just be something simple, but there's, there's so much labour that goes into making these books, and so I think it really also portrayed that for, for me when I watched it. Um, so yeah, it's such a beautiful film. And um, actually on this topic of, you know, this is one of the many films that you guys produced, and I know recently you guys have started a, you have, you've launched a project where you've put all your films together in one place, which is an easy way for devotees to access these, these films, and I believe that would be maybe one of the films on there. So maybe you guys could speak a bit about that, this, um, I think it's called the 46 hour <coughs> lifetime work project. Actually, you don't know the exact name. Perfect. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. well, there's a couple of things we have. <laughs> One's a um, release of all our films. Um, actually, I think there's 53 videos on there, and something like 80 hours. All the films on the pen drive. <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime of work. <laughs> and, uh, a lot of it's a lot of some of it's uh, translated films, so it's not all, you know, 53 hours of, or 53 videos. But it's um, we're talking about getting to know Prabhupada here. That's one of the things we want to do. There's a series called Following Shiva Prabhupada on this. It's 31 hours. Uh, we record we recorded audio of 500 devotees who were there at the time of the filming of these different scenes. And you can hear them speak. They're all first-hand stories. And you can hear them speak about that time and place of that past time of Prabhupada when it was filmed. And uh, so we have those available, if you like. Another project we're doing is restoring all the films of Prabhupada to a better quality. Back in 1998, we transferred everything uh, to digi digital video, uh, but in SD quality, standard definition. Today there's 2K, 4K, 8K, you probably heard of this, but you know, very, very high degrees of res resolution you can get out of these early films. So that's kind of urgent that we do, we do that. Um, there's a link that you can actually donate to help to the manor directly, and we can pass that around if you like. Um, you know, it's, it's quite urgent because those films uh, fade over time. So we need to do that fairly soon. Also, I'm, I'm turning 80 this year, and I want to be around to uh, <laughs> manage the, manage the uh, production of this project. So, thank you. Is that everything? Yeah, yeah no, yeah. Thank, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, and uh, this um, pen drive that you have over here, where can devotees maybe buy that if they're interested in purchasing it? Is it today we can buy, or yeah. is it...? We have some here. They're 45 pounds, and we do have some. And also, we want to get them in the shop. Mm -hmm. so they're, they're available. Okay, amazing. Really, as the sun is there also. Nice. <laughs> okay, so if any devotees are interested in purchasing it, then I presume they can come to, to yourself to, today, if that's the case, or...? when they're in the gift shop at some point, so, yeah. Oh, and yeah, devotees just wanted to ask, how, how can we support you in, in this project or the upcoming projects? Is there anything devotees can do to help? Any <laughs> service opportunities or...? Yeah, and not so much service, you know, in terms of uh, talent, because it's pretty straightforward. We have two companies, one company in 
Washington, D.C. to do their film transfer. That's where the films are located. They were, weigh hundreds and hundreds of pounds. You don't want to ship them anywhere to do that elsewhere. And then a company in Mumbai um, will do the restoration, even frame by frame. Uh, there's 24 frames in one second, 24 little pictures in one second of film. And there's 47 hours of film. How many frames? <laughs> There's 4,060,800 frames. And they guarantee that they will, they will make perfect every frame, you know, scratches, dust, anything that has to be done. That means kind of photoshopping, if necessary, those frames that need to be restored. The, uh, they have 2,000 employees. They work for Disney, they work for Sony. They're very, very good at what they do. They're located in Mumbai recently, about a week ago, <clears throat> the one of the heads of the company, she's an Indian lady. She has 800 employees underneath her. She came to the manor, visited the manor, took her to RT, and she heard the kids chanting that, that particular day. She was crying. <laughs> Amazing. And then she went to Prabhupada's room. She was very moved by that. And I, when I, before I came back to, from India, came back from India a month ago, I met all the, all the heads of the company in their office, and they said, we're so happy to have this, this is a spiritual project. We don't have any spiritual projects. We're so happy to have yours. So it's a great company, you know, really, really top, top of the line, really nice people, and in good hands. Thank you for, for, for sharing that. Fire some good money. That's <laughs> why <laughs> We've got... In regards to the money, it is expensive. Uh, okay. They've given us a good discount. And uh, they know we're a non-profit. There is a link to direct, uh, directly to the manor. And those who are qualified can get a tax write-off from that. And if that, that goes through, then the manor can get back money from the government. So it's a great, it's a great uh, opportunity in that one. So we have a link to the manners. We can send that around. Yeah, yeah that'll be good. Maybe we, we can put that link on our communications and our chats and stuff. So that'll be nice. Um, thank you. Um, I guess we wanted to, um, we're coming close to the end, and we also wanted to give devotees a chance to ask their own questions. So if anyone has any questions, do, do start thinking of some questions. I guess I'll ask maybe one final question before we open it up. And I guess we'll look at just the theme of, you know, the youth and the, the future of ISKCON. Um, and um, I have a few questions here, so I'm trying to think, which is a nice question to ask before we open up. Maybe, okay, one, one devotee sent me this actually at some point. So was there any mistakes that you feel like you might have made in the early days that the younger generation could avoid repeating in the future? Any lessons we can learn from you have a few days? <laughs> <laughs> I got some time. I got some time. <laughs> uh, just, I suppose, speaking in a general way, yeah. many of us, including myself, when we came, we were, I guess you could say, a bit fanatical about impressing upon others how important Krishna consciousness was, how it was important for all the rules and regulations, chant 16 proper rounds. And 
we tended to project that on others, whether they're ready for it or not, including, for instance, our parents, our friends from before we were devotees, our relatives, other relatives. And it wasn't usually well received, almost always it wasn't well received. <laughs> um, so I think then probably to introduce those who are close to us, whether friends or relatives, it's best to show that we're happy with the path that we've chosen and that our lives have improved in every way, that we're more peaceful, we're more focused, rather than trying to push upon them rules and regulations and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think the, um, the tendency when we make a little advancement in Krishna consciousness is to become proud. And uh, that's a big mistake. Because that'll take in, away any um, any uh, feeling of you know, real real Christian consciousness. It, it just <clears throat> it destroys any kind of uh, transcendental uh, credit we have. Be very careful of pride. Well, I'm hoping that. A few of you in this room will take up the services of administration for this movement, become yourself temple presidents, soul secretaries, soul supervisors, GBC members. Yeah. So I'm begging you to prepare for that. And um, a lot of the mistakes that we made that greatly jeopardized our movement in many ways was thinking we were above the law, intentionally. It's one thing to make a simple mistake out of ignorance, but we were thinking, oh, that's for them. We don't have to follow these. And it didn't bode well for the movement. We actually even lost temples as a result. So it's not a mundane thing to take care of the Prabhupada's house. <coughs> so I request you all to consider this carefully and to take care of Srila Prabhupada's house. Thank you so much for sharing these, these valuable lessons that we can all take something from today and uh, keep with us in, in the future. Um, I think now might be a nice time to reopen it up to, to you guys. If anyone has any questions that they would like to ask, it can be uh, someone specific or it can be Maybe a general question that you guys can decide you can answer. So, does anyone put your hands up if you have any questions? We can maybe pass you, pass you a microphone. Yeah. Okay. I don't need a microphone. I think. Take recording. Hi, Krishna. Thank you so much for going. Actually, it's very grateful to be here. Uh, this is a question uh, which kind of uh, spurred off from what you just mentioned uh, at the end. I always had this question of the role of uh, discretion and uh, having faith in Krishna. Like, they kind of seem to be at odds sometimes. Exercising your discretion, saying that, oh, uh, I mean, it's common sense that you do that, uh, it's not going to bode well for us. I mean, I could hold the Bhagavad Gita and jump off a cliff here and expect Krishna to save me. It's not going to happen all the time. That's an example. This is a crude example of what I was trying to say. So would there be any pointers which you could suggest saying that uh, when it would be 
what, would, what is important to keep in mind that we're not too reliant on discretion at the expense of like not depending on Krishna at all, but we also depend on Krishna. Like, uh, and I hope I could make some questions with you. So you're, I'm not quite sure that I understand it. You're, you're asking about depending on Krishna, yeah? Yes, and uh, sometimes exercising discretion can somewhat come in the way, like saying that, uh, oh, maybe like... Okay, you mean acting foolishly and... Depending, I'll call you depending on Krishna. Yeah. I mean, because you mentioned jumping off a cliff with the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> <laughs> I would consider that a little foolish. <laughs> Krishna assures us in the Bhagavad Gita that he's given us intelligence. It's our duty to use it. Yeah. And um, so would an intelligent person jump off a cliff with the Bhagavad Gita and I dare you to save me, Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to use the intelligence that Krishna has given us and depend on Krishna. And when he sees we're acting on his behalf sincerely, then that intelligence will be expanded and enhanced by Krishna. He gives us the knowledge by which we come to him. And ultimately, that's where we're all trying to do. So from what I understand, sincerity is it plays an important role, like I guess. For example, in the early days in the Soviet Union, it was illegal to practice Krishna consciousness, but uh, we couldn't wait for, uh, you know, legalities to get out of the way to introduce Krishna consciousness into the Soviet Union. So, yeah, that's... Uh, but uh, the devotees, they were doing it on behalf of Prabhupada, and uh, it was not... Uh, so sincerity, I guess, plays a role there, is what I understand. Fools can also be sincere. So you can be a sincere fool or a sincere devotee. And sometimes devotees can be sincere fools ourselves. Thank you. We have time for another question or two if anyone has. But I would say one thing, just check in with Sri Prabhupada. He has his rookie, he has pictures, he has, you know, check in with him every morning, every evening. Keep in contact with him. Hi, Krishna. Um, thank you so much. I wanted to ask, um, how did you retain so much faith in the movement, especially you mentioned, like, so many difficulties in the, in the, the years after Shura Prabhupada, um, Shura Prabhupada's departure? Um, especially, like you said, losing temples and, and um, like leaders falling down, that kind of thing. How did you retain so much faith in the movement and, and still work towards kind of re-strengthening um, things after that? What if the, uh, we think the movement's gone way off, what should we do? And Prabhupada said we should work to rectify it from within, but do not leave. And another thing, you know, I think the late 70s and the early 80s were the worst time. And uh, we, we had our own experiences in Christian consciousness that uh, were, were uh, separate from what was going on in the movement with the leadership, especially. So that, that of course, 
that's our personal experience. You know, we had we had we had we had a taste. So that kept us going. That's important that to remember that taste and, not, and never forget it. And also to be very patient with ourselves and others. Prabhupada says a gradual process is the long haul. So it really is. And you know, there's going to be ups and downs, but just never give up. For sure there's nothing better out there. <clears throat> Any other final questions? Mm -hmm. Otherwise... I'll say something with oh, this. Sure. How good is the secret that this, you know, you saying the secret the 80s were rough. I think it's rough right now. Truth be told. But is that any reason to bail out? Um, somebody's giving you something valuable to hold on to. So we should do our best at all times. But uh, I mentioned this the other day on the Ratiatra or Surabhapad first joined the Rathiatra here in London. When we got to Trafalgar Square, he looked up at the um, tall column with Lord Nelson. And you all know who, you, you know, know who Lord Nelson is? He was, he was a rascal guy, but you know, he was Queen's Navy guy. And, um, but he said something that probably <coughs> paraphrased. Lord Nelson said, England, with all thy faults, I love thee. Srila Prabhupada paraphrased, Iskhan, with all thy faults, I love thee. <laughs> I think we have time for one last question. So. I think I'm this has two parts for the question. <laughs> <laughs> The first is a continuation of this question just now. Uh, do you think there is a, a new direction that perhaps we're taking in this new generation? Because the society right now are not so receptive immediately to, to in general, to the idea of religion, or, but they're open to spirituality. So we kind of have to present it in a different way. And do you see, how does that marry our traditional ways of uh, direct preaching, like with um, books? That's quite direct. Um, uh, versus these new bridge preaching, preaching programs where we kind of hide it at first. Um, uh, maybe just any thoughts on that? And then the second part I can perhaps bring <laughs> If there's time. I think the society was never really receptive to Krishna consciousness, even in the 60s and 70s. You know, so in that sense, I don't think it's changed that we wouldn't go out on book distribution and find people eager to stop and eager to figure out what we were trying to give them. So, but yet at the same time, we found that Prophet was quite direct in his message. He didn't soften it. You know, he might, uh, you can tell when he's speaking to an Indian audience, he'll speak in a little different way than to a Western audience. And to the Indian audience, he would say, this is your culture, it's your responsibility to spread this around the world. I'm just one person. Please come and help me. And to the Westerners, more it would be the basic understanding of Krishna's teachings and, and the Bhagavad Gita. 
but it was quite direct and he managed to attract just a, a wide array of people. It's astonishing. You know, Mumbai, he attracted a devotee who's still there, who was a professional pickpocket. And then he also attracted people who had PhDs. You know, so I think there's quite something to be learned there, that he could connect with people, whatever their status, whatever their um, nationality, whatever their religion. So that's clearly an art. And it was, he wasn't presenting religion. He would say, this isn't a religion. You know, he was presenting basic truths. And because we were eager for something real, something substantial, that we were attracted to those basic truths that he presented. And then it become so sweet when you get into Krishna's pastimes and Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. So there are many angles. You know, Prashadam was a big, big attraction. Kirtan, a big, big attraction. And those things are so... Bright, smiling, shiny faces. <laughs> That's a big attraction. Yes, when people see others who are happy, who are actually satisfied in their lives, who feel fulfilled, what an enormous attraction that is. So we preach by following or preaching. <coughs> One thing about bridge uh, preaching as opposed to direct preaching, uh, I, I've seen that both can be successful. That, um, some, some devotees are inclined to more direct preaching, some devotees are more inclined to indirect preaching. I just went to the, my accident, I walked past the Studio 108, downtown, is that what it's called? Yes, Studio 108. And that's, you know, that's uh, bridge preaching. And for, for many people, that'll be, uh, that'll be attractive. You'll want to investigate initially, not, you know, pilak, or bodhi, certain kind of dress. So I, I believe there's, you know, there's direct and indirect and everything in between. It can, can be effective. If we maintain that core purity. As long as you cross the bridge <laughs> and don't get stuck midway or not even get that far. You know. We're giving something to people that is genuine and real. And like Vishaka was mentioning in the early days we could be kind of like um, you know, we were we didn't have so much realization, we didn't have much empathy empathy, you know, the way we would express things. But nonetheless, everybody in the material world today, even more so, is suffering just like they were back in the sixties. And since time immemorial, that is the nature of the material world. And we're actually offering them something real. And if we don't give it to them in a way that they can understand this is real, and we just stay on some little bridge, what, what have we done? You know, so we, we need to be ourselves convinced. And my, um, you know, I, I've engaged myself in bridge preaching, you know, I wasn't calling it that, but, you know, we try to get people in different ways. But here's what Srila Prabhupada had to say, and you can just meditate on this a little bit. There was um, an attempt to do a yoga village, and then there was this um, um, trying to uh, do a traveling show. 
And Prabhupada said to stop it. Why did he say to stop it? It looked like it was having some success. But what he said was people are going to come, but they won't stay. They'll come, but they won't stay because they've come for one thing, but they haven't been given the pure message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that could actually give them something substantial. So, on a morning walk left, um, by the way, listen to these morning walk tapes. They're fantastic because you, they're, they're not structured. There's just, you know, discussions going on and there's a lot to be learned. So one of these morning walks, one of the young devotees was lamenting, well actually was complaining that it's really hard, you know, it's hard, like that's another mantra sometimes I hear, oh it's hard. The real mantra is hard, Krishna, but we hear it's hard. <laughs> so, you know, like people just don't want, they don't want, you know, Prophet said, so you think that you're going to stand out there on the corner and people are going to come up to you and agree with whatever you have to say or give them? So therefore, you have to study and you have to read these books so that you are able to convince others. But you have to be convinced of yourself. Because if you're not convinced, then it's very difficult to convince anyone. So this is just some points. And I'm not saying don't do preaching. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying be mindful and cross the bridge. Thank you for all your wonderful questions. Sorry, we are on a tight schedule, so we'll have to end there. Sorry, Coco, um, but we appreciate everyone's, everyone's questions. Um, and I think before we, we wrap up today, I think maybe it would be nice if maybe you guys have any final concluding words that to spread to all the panelists and the devotees here, all, all the youth of the manor. Do you have any concluding statements for us that we can take away with us before we, before we end? Three things are needed, quoting from the natural instruction. Determination, enthusiasm, and patience. And this can be applied to every aspect of your life, but particularly your spiritual life. So don't just be fair whether hardy bold devotees dig in, practice, and share it with others. Right, Krishna? Thank you very much again. Another part of that same verse from the nectar of uh, instruction is to remain in the association of devotees. So you have each other, it's such a strength that you can give each other this enthusiasm, determination, and patience to continue. So please always remain together and you'll remain strong. And please, Srila Prabhupada, by your service. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I think out of those three, patience is the hardest. Because that's, uh, that's a, lo a long-term practice. We can get fired up, determined, enthusiastic, and then uh, fall away very easily if we don't have patience. Um, and in association with devotees, uh, particularly advanced devotees, is extremely important. And to serve them, we may not be qualified at all and have some you know, serious difficulties in our lives. But if we serve the, the uh, advanced devotees, that will save us. Mm. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
concludes our, I guess, um, our panel discussion. Um, just wanted to say a big thank you for all three of our very special guests for taking the time out of your busy schedules to be with us. To thank you for giving us this um, this inspiration and um, yeah, please do give us your blessings that we can continue in our service, continue staying in the association of devotees like you're mentioning, and um, yeah, we really hope that we can you know. Um, spend some more time with you guys and have, have more of these in the future. So, can we please um, congratulate, or can we please end by raising our hands at the end with three loud Haribos! Concludes our, our, our panel discussion. Now, um, don't worry, we still have one final thing for the evening um, in SSP, House Program Fashion. We will end with a stand up Gar Arati, and we're hoping Yarabar Prabhu, if you might be able to lead us um, with the Gar Arati, um, if possible. Thank you. Um, so we'll have Gar Arati. Before Gar Arati starts, um, we'll have a few just quick, quick announcements for everyone. Um, the first announcement is that uh, next week SSP will be in Wembley Central. Wembley Central, yeah, Wembley Central. You know the place in Wembley. Either. So please do come next week. Um, it's it's going to be an amazing SSP, and we, we hope to see you there. Um, and the only other announcement I wanted to make was regards to the SSP retreat. Now, ooh, yeah. Um, now, last time we had a house program just a month or so ago, um, with, we had Krippamoy Prabhu, Mother Guru, and Guru Das Prabhu. And, um, you know, we announced that we're going to have an SSP retreat and people didn't believe us. They're like, what SSP? You've never done a weekend retreat before. You guys can't pull it off. You guys are disorganized. But somehow or other, we managed to do it. And uh, we have an amazing weekend retreat coming up. It's from the 